This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, it's the first November hurricane to hit the U.S. in nearly four decades. At least two people are dead. Find out more about Tropical Storm Nicole that hit Florida yesterday. The balance of power in the U.S. Senate could come down to Georgia, but the runoff between Senator Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker is still four weeks away. Both candidates will hit the campaign trail until then. We have highlights from their events yesterday. With control of the Senate and House still hanging in the balance, Arizona officials say the best things come to those who wait, at least till next week. Former President Trump confirms he has a special announcement to make. He's also denouncing claims he's angry about the results of the midterms. Find out what he had to say. Hundreds of school board elections took place this week. One group called Moms for Liberty got over 60% of their endorsed candidates elected in Florida. We speak with the co-founder to learn more about their recent victories. And footage shows divers finding wreckage of the Challenger space shuttle off the coast of Florida. It remains the worst disaster ever to occur in spaceflight. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, and I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is November 11th. It's also Veterans Day. There will be a grand parade in New York City on Manhattan's Fifth Avenue, by the way. Yes, and you'll be happy to know NTD will be live streaming the event on our website from 1 o'clock Eastern Time. And right now we have some natural disaster news to break. At least two people have died amid the damage from Hurricane Nicole's landfall. The storm hit Florida's east coast yesterday morning. Authorities say that two people were electrocuted by a downed power line in Orange County. After making landfall, Nicole weakened to a tropical storm and then a depression. However, the storm knocked out power to thousands, pushed buildings to near collapse, and flooded the coast. Almost 50 beachfront buildings, including 24 hotels and condos, have been deemed unsafe after Nicole hit Volusia County. Another 11 structures on Daytona Beach have already been deemed compromised. Officials say the damage along the coastline is unprecedented. Nicole was the first November hurricane to hit the U.S. in nearly four decades. And a federal judge in Texas has ruled on President Biden's plan to cancel hundreds of billions of dollars in student loan debt. He says the program is unlawful and must be vacated. Judge Mark Pittman on Thursday called the program an unconstitutional exercise of Congress's legislative power. He ruled in favor of the plaintiffs who were backed by a conservative group. The debt cancellation plan had already been temporarily blocked by a U.S. appeals court. The judge's ruling came in a lawsuit by two borrowers who were partially or fully ineligible for the planned student loan forgiveness. They argued it did not follow proper rulemaking processes and was unlawful. About 26 million Americans have applied for a student debt relief. The U.S. Department of Education has already approved requests from 16 million. With 200,000 votes left to count, Democrat Tina Kotek declared victory yesterday in the highly contested Oregon governor's race. Republican Christine Drazen has not conceded. The Drazen campaign said yesterday that they will continue to exercise patience as they await additional clarity. And the balance of power in the U.S. Senate could come down to Georgia. That's if each party secures an undecided seat in Nevada and Arizona. Georgia's candidates will need to keep campaigning to maintain their momentum. The runoff election will be held December 6th. 
NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more from both candidates' campaign events yesterday. The stakes in this race could not be higher. Senator Ted Cruz joined Georgia's GOP nominee for U.S. Senate Herschel Walker at a rally in Canton on Tuesday. They knew the media would lie about him. They knew they would attack his family. They knew they would demonize him. And he stood up and said, I don't care. I will answer the call. I will stand and fight for the people of Georgia. Herschel Walker! Walker warned Georgians of the risks of complacency, emphasizing the high stakes of the runoff. Because if we sit on the sideline, we will not recognize this country again. They want to change everything about this country. They want to change it. And I said, right now, we got the B team in. We got the B team in. It's time to put the A team in. He reminded his supporters to get out and vote in December's decisive election. Tell your friends to get out and vote. This is the most important election of your lifetime. It's coming December the 6th. Raphael Warnock. Meanwhile, incumbent Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock rallied his troops in Atlanta. We know how to win a runoff. Now that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And they're going to throw every dollar at us that they can. Georgia's U.S. Senate race has been one of the most expensive in the nation. But Warnock has largely outspent his opponent. The Federal Election Commission says Warnock raised over $123 million this election cycle through October 19th, while Walker has raised around $38 million. Warnock told his supporters that the very future of America was at stake in the election and urged them to vote. Let's win this thing one more time. Let's build a Georgia that embraces all of our children. Let's get it done. If the parties split the Senate races in Arizona and Nevada, Georgia's runoff election will determine control of the Senate. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Three days after Americans went to the polls, the political world still remains in a state of nervous apprehension with the nation's gaze on two western states, Nevada and Arizona. Here are the latest numbers. In the Nevada Senate race, Republican Adam Laxalt leads Senator Catherine Cortez Masto by about 2%. In the Arizona Senate race, Senator Mark Kelly leads Republican Blake Masters by just under 6%. Meanwhile, in Arizona's race for Governor K Democrat Katie Hobbs is still holding on to a 2% lead over Republican Carrie Lake. And in the Nevada governor's race, Republican Joe Lombardo leads Governor Steve Sisolak by about four points. Arizona election officials have told the media that their ballot counting might be delayed until next week. And today's Daniel Monahan has more. But I'm here to tell you the goalposts have changed. In Maricopa County, Arizona, officials initially said the votes would be counted by Friday. But heavy turnout amid voter enthusiasm has caused delays. We had 290,000 mail-in ballots dropped off at our vote centers on election day. Board of Supervisors Chairman Bill Gates says that drop-off broke the previous record by 70% and counting them all up could now take until next week. According to gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, there is a reason for that record-shattering in-person drop-off. That is what's going on. People are so distrustful of our elections that they wanted to hand-deliver their mail-in ballot. And when they did that, we overwhelmed the system. The fate of the Senate rests with a trio of fiercely contested states. Either party can win a majority by sweeping the races in Nevada and Arizona. 
If those races don't deliver a majority, Senate control will be decided in a runoff election in Georgia for the second time in two years. The high handover of ballots is one thing, but there are still other issues that can prevent timely counting. Additionally, there are 15,000 ballots that are currently in curing status. Curing means to fix ballots with a non-matching signature or no signature. This is done by contacting the person via phone, text, or email to make sure they actually sent or dropped off the ballot. Meanwhile, as the counting continues, Arizonans are waiting to learn who will lead them through the challenges that lie ahead. One such challenge is the scourge of fentanyl, which is wreaking havoc across America with unprecedented overdose numbers. A Mexican national was recently arrested for smuggling more than 70 pounds of fentanyl pills across Arizona's southern border. Carrie Lake reacted on Twitter saying, Know this, I am not at all distracted from the issues. I am currently assembling a team to successfully execute our border policy on day one. That's unless her opponent, Katie Hobbs, has something to say about that. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. John Fetterman and Josh Shapiro have won Pennsylvania's Senate and governor's races, but an undercover video raises concerns about possible illegal campaigning for Democratic candidates at a Philadelphia polling center. Entity's Arlene Richards reports. Project Veritas, a nonprofit organization that investigates and exposes corruption, has a new video. It shows men at the entrance of a Philadelphia polling center on election day providing information on Democratic candidates. Anyone need Democratic Party information? You good? So you, you're uh, telling me I should vote John Fetterman, I should vote Joshua Shapiro. Vote that, that'll make... All of them are the Democrats. You only got one against one. The video, posted on founder James O'Keefe's Instagram account, shows one man saying this. I don't think you're Democratic. Oh, you got it. Okay. Okay. Uh, for Democrats, for the, for the common man, a guy got a lot of money, you want some tax shelter. That's the way to go. <laughs> Flyers for Democratic candidates were posted at the door. O'Keefe said the men were engaging in illegal electioneering. What is electioneering? It means to actively campaign on behalf of one party. So what's illegal about that? Pennsylvania law requires all persons to remain at least 10 feet distant from the polling place during the progress of voting. There are exceptions for persons lawfully giving assistance to voters, such as election officers, clerks, and machine inspectors. But it's not clear if these men fit the exceptions. What do you do, Rudy? Do you just you work here? Or do you? I'm a committee person. Do you, do you work with the, with the office here? I'm a committee person. Philadelphia County has a guide that details key items the law says shouldn't be happening outside of polling places. For example, handing out campaign materials and telling voters which candidates to support. In another Veritas video, a Chinese translator who works for the election board also favors Democrats. I, I asked you to vote the Republican. I mean the Democrats down there. Meanwhile, over at a ballot box near a Philadelphia elections office. I'm going to talk to someone that works at the Board of Elections. I'm going to let them know these keys are here. They're obviously some sort of elections keys. Uh, basically, I, I came around the block and I realized that there's a set of keys on top of this ballot box. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York. Former President Trump says he will be making a special announcement next Tuesday. He put out a press release yesterday. The event will be held on November 15th at Mar-a-Lago at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Trump also fired back at reports claiming he's angry about the outcome of the midterm elections. He says it's a fake narrative from corrupt media. Trump said in his Thursday post he's not at all angry and very busy looking forward into the future. 
Trump specifically called out the New York Times. One report from the newspaper claims Trump blamed his wife and Fox News host Sean Hannity for advising him to endorse U.S. Senate candidate Mehmet Oz. Trump says the story was made up out of thin air with no sources. And hundreds of school board elections took place on Tuesdays while there were races where some candidates ran unopposed and others where conservatives replaced liberal-leaning boards. Moms for Liberty was able to put 61% of their endorsed candidates on Florida school boards. I spoke to the co-founder to find out more. Joining me is Tiffany Justice. She's the co-founder of Moms for Liberty and a former Florida school board member. It's good to have you. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to talk about this because um, to get some insights from you because you had a successful, you had successful campaigns in local school board races. So tell me more about that. Yeah, we had a, a great Tuesday, um, and, and we were really excited. We started celebrating before Tuesday, to be honest, because we had 270 endorsed candidates across the country that were on the ballot for that election, for the midterm election. And these are school board members. Our chapter's only endorsed in school board. And so for us to be able to, in less than two years, mobilize parents who have never run for office before, who have never run political campaigns, to have 270 candidates endorsed. And then it's looking like about a little over half of our candidates actually are making it into office, one, yesterday, one on Tuesday. So for us, just a really exciting day considering that many of these people were up against incumbents who have kind of an edge in the election process anyway, and lots of money coming from the teachers' unions. And we did not put any money into these races. It was all about the passion on the ground. So um, just very exciting stuff happening across the country. Yeah, interesting. Talking about on the ground, what have you been seeing there? I mean, what do you hear from conservative parents um, about what they are hoping to see from, from the school board? Yeah, so parents are really excited about the school board members that they have elected because now these are pro-parental rights uh, school board members. These are, these are school board members who recognize that parents have that fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their child. That's not a right the government gives them. It's not a right that the school board can take away. And so I served as a school board member. I know how important that is. Tina did as well. So I'm just excited about that. The other thing that we really hope these school board members will focus on and we're going to help them to do is to focus on student achievement. You know, as well as everyone across America, those NAEP scores came out and we saw a continued decline among students um, across the country in, in, their, in their ability to read and to, to be able to do math and science. And so these school board members are going to put the focus back on achievement, back on merit. We want to make sure that kids are really learning in school. It's not a babysitting place. They go for eight hours a day, and they shouldn't be learning about all this crazy stuff like gender theory, some pseudoscientific you know, subject. We should be teaching kids about science, about math, about history, and, and most of all, kids should be learning how to read in school. And um, you did bring up a good point, an interesting point, that a lot of them that ran, ran were first-timers. So what did they owe their success to, do you think, beating incumbents? They owe their success to, to really dedicated support. Um, one of the things as a school board member that you realize very quickly is you can't get elected by yourself. And you certainly can't do your job without an army of parents behind you supporting good policies. And so this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship of candidates on the ground who are going to have the support of parents to be able to make wonderful change happen in their communities. So it's really due to the moms and dads and community members that believed in these candidates. Just an awesome start. Uh, we're just getting started. I promise you that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your insights. Tiffany Justice with Moms for Liberty. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. 
Still to come, Twitter could be heading for bankruptcy. The social media platform recently announced that it is losing around $4 million a day. And today is Veterans Day. We hear from a combat veteran who served in Afghanistan and Iraq after the break. Welcome back. Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk, on Thursday raised the possibility of the social media platform going bankrupt. Musk warned that Twitter would not be able to survive the upcoming economic downturn if it fails to boost subscription revenue to offset falling advertising income. This is exacerbated by several more executives resigning from their positions, as well as many brands pausing advertising since Musk took over, concerned that he will loosen content moderation rules. Musk has attributed the drop in ad revenue to activists pressuring advertisers. Speaking on Twitter's Spaces feature, Musk on Wednesday told advertisers that he aimed to turn the platform into a force for truth and stop fake accounts. Currently, Twitter is losing around $4 million a day. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission said it was watching Twitter with deep concern after the three privacy and compliance officers quit. These resignations potentially put the social media platform at risk of violating regulatory orders. And the city of Boston will pay over $2 million to a Christian organization for refusing to fly a Christian flag at City Hall. The legal battle that ensued in 2017 ended up going all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's because the city approved 284 consecutive applications to fly flags from 2005 to 2017, but then denied a request to hoist a Christian flag. The Supreme Court ruled the city violated the free speech rights of the applicant based on his religious views. The settlement was announced on Tuesday. It covers attorney's fees and other legal costs. The city has now set up a clear regulation for flag raising applications. The state of California has sued over a dozen companies that's for covering up the harm caused to the environment and the public from what are known as forever chemicals. The lawsuit accuses 3M, DuPont and 16 smaller companies of covering up the harm for decades, allowing the chemicals to find their way into waterways and human bloodstreams. The chemicals are found in non-stick frying pans, cleaning sprays, cosmetics and countless other products. Forever chemicals are called that for good reason. California Attorney General Rob Bonta says forever chemicals do not degrade or do so only slowly in the environment and remain in a person's bloodstream indefinitely. These companies knew for decades that PFAS are toxic and harmful to human health and the, and the environment, yet they continued to produce them in mass and for mass use and concealed their harms from the public, causing irreparable harm to our natural resources, to our health. A Southern California county has been experiencing a huge backlog of cases since pandemic restrictions were put in place. In an unprecedented move, the Riverside County courts have started dismissing these cases. Entities Jackie Rios went to speak with the district attorney to find out what's happening. The Riverside County courts are dismissing hundreds of criminal cases ranging from misdemeanor to felony cases in which many of the accused suspects are considered to be violent. According to Riverside District Attorney Mike Hesteren, that's all due to a backlog caused by lockdown restrictions. 
Back in 2020, the county limited in-person proceedings and suspended jury trials. That made for a backlog of around 2,800 cases. Hestron said the sweeping dismissals are not happening anywhere else in the state. These are um, sometimes violent crimes, uh, serious and violent crimes with real victims and real consequences for the people of, of this county. And even though the other counties have backlogs uh, caused by COVID, uh, the, the, the mass dismissal strategy is not being employed anywhere else in the state. Hestron said his office handles between 50 to 60,000 criminal matters per year, of which the majority are resolved before going to trial. But with the dismissals, actual criminals may be skipping out of the entire judicial process. But the presiding judge who made the decision on dismissing the cases did not blame the backlog on lockdowns. In a press release, presiding judge John M. Monteroso pointed to a lack of resources, including such as judges and an available courtroom. The Riverside Superior Court has taken measures to utilize its resources in order to have cases be resolved before trial. Some of those changes include using civil judges for criminal trials, having multiple criminal trials per day, and calling on retired judges for help. But Hestron says Riverside County has had a judge shortage for decades, and no criminal cases have been dismissed for that reason. To take a mass dismissal approach, to just say, you know, we've got these cases, uh, courtrooms open today, everything else gets dismissed without any... Um, serious look at the, the consequences which uh, without considering the arguments that we put forth, which is what it feels like from our perspective, um, I think that's wrong. As for the plaintiffs in this dismissed cases, Hestron has the following suggestions. Come to court. The courtrooms are open. The courtrooms belong to the people. And, you know, like we, like we encourage our victims, come to court and talk to the judge. Uh, let them know that you know, th this is how this is going to affect you as a victim. So far, 200 cases have been dismissed, with an expected 700 more to follow. Hestron is currently pushing back by appealing to the judge's decision with the appellant's courts. Jack Rios, NTD News, Riverside, California. What do you do to honor the ones who served? Let us know at goodmorningnntd.com. Next, divers discover a 20-foot section of the space shuttle Challenger, which exploded shortly after its launch in 1986. It marks the first time in over two decades that a piece of the Challenger has been found. That's after the break. Divers from a documentary crew discovered a 20-foot section of the exploded space shuttle Challenger on the ocean floor. The divers were looking for the wreckage of a World War II aircraft off the coast of Florida. Footage recorded in May showed the divers finding the section of the 1986 shuttle and removing sand from it. The divers contacted NASA after spotting the large, clearly modern object, mostly covered in sand, bearing the shuttle's distinctive tiles. The find marks the first time in 25 years that a piece of the Challenger has been located. It remains one of the worst disasters in the history of the U.S. space program. What an exciting find. Yeah, man, I feel for the people, you know. Right. Well, but on that note, we have to end the show here. We're, we're calling the wrap here. We'd love to hear from you before you go. You can share your thoughts and your story at goodmorning at NTD.com. So shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan. Thank you.